Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, The Best Laid Plans of Mice and Men and Music Ministers, Tim Studstill discusses worship planning tools and how they affect the music minister service planning. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. Uh, tell me something. Why did you choose this class to come to? Just real, very quickly. My name is Chris. I'm at Calvary Hills Baptist Church. It's a very small Baptist church in San Antonio near SeaWorld. Um, I came to this and I'm new to the Baptist denomination, and uh, Methodist Church most of my life, and uh, just looking for some new ideas because it's a sort of a blended service, and they're not into some of the artistic little things into the service that you can just enhance the service with. So I'm just looking for some maybe some new ideas that would reach the people well, but would not be taken. They don't want to do anything that's traditional. I mean, they say all this stuff because then the spirit is out of it. You know? um, so I'm just looking for some new ideas for our worship service and me as a leader, things like that. Okay, great. How long have you been there? One year. One year. Where'd you come from? Uh, Trinity Methodist, which is another small Methodist church. Okay, they're in San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, great. I was in San Antonio just a few. Weeks ago at the uh, Convencion, it was the 100th anniversary of uh, Texas Baptist uh, Hispanic work in uh, it was Trinity Baptist there in San Antonio. And so it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool celebration for all the stuff there and, and getting a feeling of what it's like to be a minority in the, you know, when you're like one of the few people that doesn't speak Spanish. And it was really, it was really pretty cool. So that's right. We're glad you're here. Holly. Um, yeah, my name is Holly. I'm from... I'm actually, I live in Lawton, but I uh, drive to Duncan 30 minutes um, to do music at a Presbyterian church, and I've only been there about seven months. So the reason why I'm here is because, number one, I'm new to being a choir director, and then this school year I'm going to do a, sh a small time choir director job at one of the public, private schools. And so I'm kind of nervous about doing choir at a church and having to have choir stuff for this little school and how do I keep them separate and and how do I plan for both and not lose from either. Does that make sense? Great. Uh, my name is Michelle Gibson. I'm from St. Peter Lutheran Church in Roanoke, Texas. By the babes. Yeah, right across the street from the babes. Yes, right across the street. Uh, I am at this, or this class in particular because I have a basically full-time amount of work to do with part-time pay and part-time hours. So, you know, with all the other things you do to make up for the other income, you got to be as efficient as you can with the time you have allotted. So. What are the babes and where are they? Oh, okay. Best chicken. Oh, so best good. It's fried chicken place? Yes, I'll give you a list after. They're all, they're all over the Metroplex. They're not in. They're not in. It's the Dallas Fort Worth area. That's some of the best fried chicken you get. We had that discussion earlier. Yes. And uh, it's. It, it always sounds really good when you say you're taking a bunch of music ministers out to Babes. You know, like. Is that like yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds like mm, you know some kind of a you know house of ill repute or it's something. It's about as classy. But yeah, it's it's you know you know the wait staff sings the hokey pokey and it's I mean it's just real. It's up there, but it's good. It's good food, you know. It's it's a, it's good chicken, good chicken stuff. And y'all right across the street from it. You know what you said? Yeah, I tell you, that's a great way to go. <laughs> All right. Um, my name is Peggy. I'm from Fort Collins, Colorado. Ooh. I'm at a small Methodist church, the other Methodist church in town. There's a big one. This is my thirtieth year. Wow. But I'm down from three jobs to one. And I thought with all this time I'd be a little more organized, and I'm not. I'm not anything that can help. Great procrastinating. Yeah, that's a that's some of us do that very very well. So well, this heat's a little bit different than what you've got oh, for Collins, isn't it? We don't have any. I know. I know. We love to go to Kachura. Do you know where Kachura is? Close to Walsenburg, Trinidad. 
about Highway 12, yeah, way down the southern or central. And, uh, I love it. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, well, we're glad you're here, so thanks for coming. All of you in Texas. Oh, well, we're glad, you know, all the Okies are here, but that's the next Okay, well, very interesting in a wide variety, but some of the similar type things. Well, when I was trying to decide what to call this, and we'll sort of talk through some of the material in the handout, and then I want to sort of get some, some ideas, and we'll try to touch on some of the requests that you've got here. Um, there's a phrase that probably a lot of us have heard for most of our lives, and it comes from a little poem called To a Mouse. And I'm not going to read the whole poem, but basically the idea of the poem is written, this farmer's plowing the field, and the poem is written in 1785. But the, the, the poet he was plowing a field, and he basically runs over this mouse nest, and the mouse runs off, and so he's writing this big thing, you know, he's, he's doing that. But, uh, but he's talking about how the, the mouse had, you know, was there, he would plan ahead, he said, uh, you saw the fields laid bare and wasted, weary weather coming fast, and cozy here beneath the blast you thought to dwell, or was underneath the ground, till crash the cruel plow passed out through your cell. That heap bit of leaves and stubble has cost you many a weary nibble. Now you are turned out for all your trouble without house or holding to endure the winter sleety dribble and hoar frost cold. But mouse, you are not alone, improving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes of mice and men go often askew and leaves us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. Still you're blessed compared with me. The present only, touch, the present only touches you. But oh, I backward cast my eye on prospects, prospects jury and forward though I cannot see, I guess and fear. And that, you know, I've always heard, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry and all that. And then there's a, a book, uh, you know, of mice and men that most everybody has to read when they're in, you know, high school and uh, uh, about these men that have these big plans and then, you know, it just doesn't happen. And so many times when we're in church work or in a lot of other work as well, we plan and we plan and we plan and something's not going to work. Like a while ago, my internet kept, you know, bouncing me off. And I brought my air card, and I'm on the wireless internet here at Baylor, and both of them were out. So we'll see what just a minute here, and I'm going to give a commercial for what's on the screen. But this poem talks about the mouse that planned ahead, prepared ahead, built his field, had built his home, had everything ready for the winter, and then all of a sudden this old farmer plows him up, and he runs off. It's too late to do anything about it. But then the poet says, which I think is really sad, but compared to me, you live in the present. I have to think about everything else that I've done in the past, everything that's been, and also think about everything that's coming. Well, we have a little bit more hope that it's not quite so desolate and despondent. But I still love that thing. The best laid schemes of mice and men go often askew. Because, you know, it seems like no matter how well we plan, we procrastinate best, or things don't come, people don't show up. Um, so that's sort of what I wanted to talk about with that. You're, are you full-time at your church now or part-time? Part-time. I'm also a school teacher. Okay, school teacher. What do you teach? <coughs> Elementary music. Elementary Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you get to go to... Yeah, I love it when men are involved in elementary age. That's a good gig. It, that is really... Can't and, the schedule. Uh, yeah, the schedule's not so bad. And kids need to see men involved in their lives, too, and I think that's a positive thing. Do you ever get to go to TMEA? Yeah. Yeah, good. I always have a booth there, so come look me up for Texas Baptist Allstate, and uh, I'm sure I've got my card. But anyway, I love I love TMEA. Uh, are you full-time, part-time? Um, I have, like, four part-time jobs. Part -time. I'm lucky for well, you. Well, I own my own okay. music store, and then out of it I teach lessons. Okay. And then I have the church, and now the school little school that I'm going to start working with. Cool. That's great. I had a video that I was trying to get burned off, and that's one of those other things that of mice and men. My son is my techno person. He's doing an internship in church in Houston this summer and with his Mac. You know, I could have done it like that, but or with him here, I could have, he could have done it for me. But it's, it, it's well, this guy's, you know, spinning plates. You know, you're, get, you know, you're doing like that, trying to keep everything going. You're kind of sort of part-time, but yet doing everything, but helping coordinate everybody else who's volunteers for what you're doing. Isn't that right? For there and part you're part-time with that so when we're part-time 
particularly in a church, there's all these expectations. You know, with working with children, when they see you at the grocery store, they're so shocked because you're not at school or at church because they think you live at church. And our church people are a lot like children because they think because you're working at church that that's your life, that's your job, you know. And so a lot of times they don't realize that, you know, you're putting in, you know, 40, 50 hours a week at another job and then you're coming and putting all this other time in for the church and all that. So your time is very, very thinly stretched. That's probably not correct grammar. You don't have a whole lot of time already, just like most of the people that you're working with, but that can give a lot of other opportunities to you because you have an understanding of what they're going through because you're right there with them. So it's really the best of both worlds. And you can do it because you want to do it. You're not being forced to do it. So that's, that's really good. So one of the things, and I'm going to skim through some of this really quickly, and then I want us to talk uh, through and try to answer some things as if we can help each other get some synergy going here. Um, one of the things that is, is ultimate with that is to prioritize. And uh, you've got to look at your daily, weekly responsibilities with all your, everything you've got going on with your job, your, your other job or your real job, the job that <laughs> maybe pays all your bills or that has your benefits or the, the one that you really could not give up if you, you know, if you had to. So you've got to prioritize with that. You've got your church and then you've got your family and you're going to have your family a lot longer than you're going to have either one of those other jobs. And so that's one of the things that you've got to really look at to how that you do. And you cannot do everything that you want to do. So that's where you have to prioritize. Um, I was talking with Dr. Bradley uh, a while back, and one of the things he said that he has talked for years is that if you're doing a, a church, bivocational, you're taking on extra responsibilities, you have to decide what you're not going to do. And that's one of the things that's really hard, especially if you're like <clears throat> some temperaments of some people, uh, present company included, who want to do it all. And I call it the Messiah complex. And sometimes that's just the way that we're born. That's the way we're, that's sort of what we tick is we love to help. We love to fix things. We love to help people and all. And so we'll take on more and we'll take on more and we'll take on more. And pretty soon your plates are falling around you and you can't keep them spinning anymore. So you've got to prioritize what you're doing and you can't do it all. So you've got to decide if you're doing this, 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 and this. There's some other things over here that you can't do anymore. There are that are not going to get done. So um, that's something that you've really got to look at. And that has to be a family responsibility, a family decision as well, that you've got to know, you know what to do. So that is something very, very important. Uh, setting time aside for personal study and for worship planning is so hard, um, but it's it's crucial. And with that, personal study is, I think, twofold. I think I'll talk about that a little bit later on. These are starting to run together on me. The There's an aspect we have to have our personal lives. Obviously, our spiritual life has to be, we have to have some time with God. We have to have some time to recharge because you're giving you're running, you're spending so much of your energy. There has to be that time that you're alone with God where you're seeking to re-energize yourself spiritually. And each one of us have different ways we do it. Some people are very, very methodical that they can have a, you know, this is my time that I'm, you know, my quiet time is sort of the Baptist word that's been used for years, you know, or devotional or whatever. You know, some people say, you know, at 6.30 every morning, that's when I, you know, I jump up and I have prayer time and Bible study and all that. For some people, um, we were talking just the other night at our house. My wife uses the shower as her time. And, she's, and we were talking with, with you know, my, we were at the table and my wife's like, I think I started doing that when I had you know, talking to our kids. When y'all were kids, you know, I've got 16 or 17 and a 21-year-old. She said, I think I started when y'all were preschoolers because it was the only time that I had quiet, you know, when... When she said, that's the time that I pray. She said, that's my prayer time. And you read stories about Susanna Wesley, who had 16 children, John and Charles Wesley's uh, mother, and said that her time, it would be sitting in the middle of the kitchen in a rocking chair, and she'd put her apron up over her head. And that was the time that she would pray and pray for her children. And that was the time that she, you know, we all have time that we have to get away you have to do something that's not related into your worship planning because so many times we get into the routine that the only spiritual life we have is planning for that next worship service 
and we need to do that, but yet you've got to have that relationship and the spiritual growth outside of what you have to do and what you're being paid to do and what you're being expected to do because that, there's a purpose and there's a motive. Motive is not a good word, choice of word, but you, there's a motive. You've got a service is coming, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You've heard the, that old sermon. But you've got to get that done. That's not just a time to be alone with God and let God speak to you, let God nourish you, let God make you the person that you've got to be. But that's something that you've got to find a way to do it. And then prepare in advance till after the unexpected. And that's probably one of the hardest things for most of us to do, where our best laid plans uh, that we join in with the mouse, that uh, it's really hard to start early enough so that we have the time when things are when those unexpected things come up. So I mean, that's sort of a, a real rough, uh, real quick look at that, but prioritize. Look for tools that can help you. We live in a day and age that there are so many things that can help us. Uh, any of you have, I see an iPhone there, any other iPhone? Uh, yeah. Those can be really, really good, and then they can really get the apps, you know, the applications that are on there. But then there's also things that can really waste your time. But you know, there's all these fun things that you can enter in. I love my little tip finder that I can enter in because I'm so bad with math. It's like I know I can just sort of double the tax in some areas and double that, and I should be able to figure out that. But it's so much easier to have this little app that I can just go to and you know punch in how much the tip was, I mean the meal was, and just push a button that automatically tells me exactly what the tip is and how much to write it for and how much to do that. That saves me so much time to do that. And I used to have to have a card that I'd pull out of my wallet and look and if it was real dim and you know I couldn't see it. And also there are things like that that save me a lot of time. But yet there's also things that can, you know, really waste your time. I was in a meeting a while back and all the little middle aged men like us, it was like everybody's pulling out their little iPhone and say, Okay, what's the most worthless app you have on your phone? You know, and it was all the way from a flashlight that doesn't really, you know, anyway, we could get off on that a lot. But find the tools and check with other musicians, explore the internet, and peruse this list. I'm going to talk about some things here. And I'm going to, and actually I'm going to come back to, I'm going to come back to that uh, list. How's my time doing? I want to come back to that. Let me check and see where you are. Do y'all, uh, does anybody here use strictly hymnals in your worship? Strictly hymnals blessings uh, you know you know Pandora's box um, do y'all use PowerPoint or word projection or whatever what yeah. do y'all we I, I well not everything that I, I uh, program for Sunday morning mm -hmm. comes from the hymnal some of it will come from like these praise and worship books. yeah the word things so yeah the, and uh, so a very but, you, but it, you project but yeah, you, but we you do, do project projection. everything okay. but I encourage or I'll say as I'm Segueing into him, and if you're reading from the hymnal, we're in hymn number 421, we'll be reading verse 124. Yeah. Um, so I do encourage it. Um, that, everything is projected. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, life was so much easier before we had to worry about typing everything into the PowerPoint and finding people to run it or getting people to run it on time so that you can read the words in time and not, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's a whole new uh, issue of that. I've put a ton of websites and a couple of them I'm going to look at here. You can go, sort of peruse this and some of your set, set you a time limit and look at some of these websites. I'm going to come back in just a couple of them. But, um, and some of the, and like number four, I'm going to give a, a, a disclaimer here. Some of these I am familiar with, some of these I am not. So that's what I put. Some have been previewed, others have not. And, uh, why your use at your own risk. So uh, some of them may be really helpful, some of them may not be. But I found that list um, and there were some really good ones in there so I thought I would just to give you that so you can do it. Okay, look over on page three. <coughs> Analyze your style. Do you know how you work the best? When you're planning, do you know sort of your personal style? There's, you know, we talk about learning styles and how you, how you learn. Some people are oral, they like to hear things. Some people are visual, they've got to see things. Some people are tactile, they've got to feel it and work it out. Those are the people like me, that sort of work with their hands all the time. Or there's, there's different ways to learn. Do you know how you work best when you're planning something or when you're doing? 
sort of have an idea. I'm seeing some people are going, yeah, and I'm seeing some people going, like, I don't have a clue what you are asking me about. My kids are occupied. When your kids are occupied. Yeah, because I'm off in the summer with my children and my wife works part-time. So if I need to try to sneak in some church planning in there, it's great when they can watch an hour of cartoons and I can knock out a service yeah. or a couple services in an hour. Yeah. If I'm lucky enough to be able to plan ahead. So if the kids are busy or playing at a friend's house, that's really nice. Because then I can sit on the couch with a legal pad and a hymnal or a couple of hymnals or I can sit at the computer and look up hip suggestions <coughs> with, with uh, scripture. And just if somebody's not going to need me, it never fails. That as soon as I sit down and do something, honey, this thing's not working. Go fix this. Or, my boys are fighting and running back and forth, slapping each other, and then close up. Yeah. So everybody else is busy. Then Dad can run away and close the door for 15 minutes, and I'm like, Yeah, yeah. And that's the challenge when you don't have a place to go to plan and prepare when you're home, whether your dad and everybody's, you know, if you're home, it's time to fix everything or take care of it, or with your mom. Of course, you you know where everything is, and you have to fix everything, you know. You know, or you know, you've got a husband that has MOS. Let's find some kids in the other room over there. You know, what MOS is it's male ocular syndrome. It's where you can tell your husband where something is, and he goes, and it's not there. And then you know, you go and look, and it's right there where you said it was. You know, and uh, it's MOS, male ocular syndrome. But um, you've got to find a place where you can work. I have a place that, that I call it my my mobile office. Because I do, I'm with the state convention, with the, the Baptist Royal Convention of Texas, and so I have an office there. But when I'm there, that's where you know everybody calls. I get the phone calls, the emails, the you know everything there. My staff comes in. The, they do it. Somebody from around the corner will stop by. Somebody, you know, it's one of those things that's just a constant out there. And a lot of times I'll do interim work where I'm, you know, filling basically doing a part-time job. And sometimes it's a few months. Sometimes you know, it's one church I was at for two years because we had complete turnaround of staff. You know, I was there, I, I ran off the entire staff, basically. So, you know, the, while they rebuilt the staff, I stayed, really was to give some consistency while they hired the pastor, called the pastor, and, and called the other staff members. So anyway, so that's what I sort of have to balance because I have to do my church planning then outside of my convention time. I have to find some place to go because if I'm home, because I travel so much with my schedule, that when I'm home, it's like, you know, can you fix this? Can you be with me? Can you do this? Can you do that? So I have to find a place. I've got a place, a little sandwich shop that's not too far from our house that has free Wi-Fi. And it's open until about 9 o'clock at night. You know, sit there, great coffee, sandwich, grab a cookie, or, you know, whatever. You know, so you can go there and have dinner. You have, you know, Wi-Fi. You can sit there and, you know, plug in. That's where I have to go. And sometimes I have to be where it's a little bit busy. There's sometimes, and depending on a lot of what my schedule has been, there's sometimes I have to have it quiet, and then there's sometimes I have to have activity going. Some people have to have, you know, some people need to eat while they're working. Some people have to have a TV going. Some people have to have a radio playing. Some people need the room dark. And that's where you need to find out what, how you work best. Do you work best on a couch with a pad? Do you work best in a chair? Do you work best on the floor? Uh, you know, some people love just sit down on the floor and spread everything out. Uh, that's what helps to find out what works for you. Do you need to go someplace to get out of, you know, get out of Dodge for a while so there is nobody, or do you like to be in the middle of the bustle? So that's that's one of the keys to finding how you work best and when you do your best work. Sometimes, you know, if you're a morning person, morning can be great to get up a little bit extra early and get everything done, get everything planned before it's going. In our family, my son and I are morning people, so mornings are great for us to get things going. My wife and my daughter, you know, God is not even awake until 10 o'clock, you know, and for them to do anything substantial in the mornings is just absolutely impossible for them. And so it's very interesting to see the dynamics of a family of four, you know, so opposite with that. But that's the way we work. My wife gets her best work done at night. You know, that's just what she does. You know, come 9.30, if I'm not at an event or doing something, come 9.30, you know, I start, you know, the brain still start, you know, it's like zombie time, you know, coming in. But then in the mornings, you know, it's like, you know, it's fine. So if I'm going to get anything substantial done, it's going to be early in the morning. It's better for me to go to bed and get up early to get something done. So that's, you know, how you can do it. 
narrow your approach, find your method, have a plan, and as you're planning, choose a theme. This one thing, we touched on this some in, in one of the sessions earlier today, there was some frustrations um, with some people that really didn't have a plan, their pastors weren't comfortable giving their sermon titles out in advance. They really, I think the, some of the people felt like they were just were shooting in the dark as far as how to plan. Um, some of us work very, very well with the theme. I think the, with where, with where, what our people need for worship and biblically and historically with worship, there's a flow. It's like in, in any type of a book, any type of a novel, any type of a play, there's a flow in conversation. There's a, there's a pattern. And you look at worship and there's a conversation there. There's a pattern. There's a flow where we start off and realize the relationship that we have with God, how we have a need for God, and then how we interact with God. So there's that flow of uh, communication and a flow of um, energy that needs to develop with that. So it's, easy to, it's easier to have a theme to build that around than just to go, okay, what kind of song do I want to do? When I first started in some of our first churches, it was like the theme was, you know, fast, slow, medium, slow, fast, or something. You know, that was that was the real, you know, cruncher, you know. And I worked with a pastor one time that just, you know, it was this real, you know, everything was just, you know, real evangelistic and real, you know, and if, if we could just hype the people up, he was just happier than a, than a whatever and that was the way he like he wanted to start off with the bang and then bring it down and then bring them up here and then bring them up before he preached and then bring them down again and then bring them up the end before we you know and, and so that was the biggest thing so it was like after a while it was like okay i'm getting tired of doing fast song slow song fast song slow song but finding a theme and if you have a how many of you get topics from your pastors you get you get some Sometimes a scripture, a scripture, a scripture, or where you might go with it. Yeah, how far out? Um, I go in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Well, that's. At one church, we would plan a month and have where well, we would use the planner, the okay. dictionary, and mm -hmm. we could choose hymns. But it yeah, welcome to Baptist world. Huh? Baptist <laughs> yeah, most Baptists don't use the don't use a lectionary or planner. The Presbyterian, so. they they follow, you know. Loosely, yeah. But we have, I have a very contemporary, I mean, we have a woman preacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she doesn't know usually until Thursday what she's preaching on for Sunday. Uh, she'll know by Wednesday. She won't necessarily 100% have it ready until about Thursday. So Wednesday, we usually talk about it, and then Thursday, we email back and forth <laughs> and what's going on for Sunday, which is a little hard for me because. <coughs> I have to know, I mean, you know, for the, the anthem that we're going to do or special music or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's, we definitely have to work on that, yeah. I think. If I can give some helpful suggestions, because I was in that boat, I mean, we used the lectionary, but, you know, I can take something completely different from scripture that you would, you mm -hmm. know, if we were going to preach on the same kind of scripture. So um, after several times of me, crying and tearing my hair out because all the planning I had done, he decided to change his mind at the last minute and I had to go redo everything because it no longer fit. Um, I finally set a form up and we start a month ahead on every service and um, you know, like we discuss it in the staff meeting four weeks out. Three weeks out, he comes back with an outline from what you know we talked about in the staff meeting. He's got his basic bulletins down. Two weeks out, I have songs back to him. One week out, it's finalized at that point, we're putting everything into place. And that has made a huge difference in just the atmosphere in the office. Uh, you know, I'm no longer irritated all the time and it makes him, it forces him to plan ahead, which he likes because now he's not scrambling the last week and making everybody else mad because we have to do lots of changes. So I wish I had one to show you. Really did you initiate that or did he initiate I that? I did. How did that, how did, how did you, how did you do that? Well, after um, Lent, after, uh, oh, what's the, what's the kickoff of Did Lent? Did he give up procrastination for Lent? Ash Wednesday. Oh, Ash Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> after he changed what he wanted to do two hours before the Ash Wednesday service, and we're portable church, so we have to go set up. 
So I had to change everything at the last minute and go set up. By the time we got to the service, I was fully, full on irritated and upset and mad. And I, I came in the next day and I was like, this is not gonna work. We, we've got to come up with a system because we can't do this. You're not gonna get excellence from me if you change things at the last minute. And when he understood, you know, we wanna have a better worship service, he was fully on board and was, he, he actually was really great with it. And he, you know, sometimes I have to go, in each form, it's time, you know, and he's really good about going, oh, sorry, 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 I didn't get it to you. It, would be, it's, it is nice to plan that early. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, the way it is now getting his scripture at the beginning of the week, you can't really plan anthems that well to tie in with that. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky if I just happen to have my four or five anthems that I'm working on one that, ooh, this will work great. Um, but it's difficult to plan an anthem. I, I mean, hymns and stuff is, is, is easy enough. Um, yeah, and we... We touched on that earlier too. The, the uh, that is where a lot of your planning, in every situation, I'm I'm very impressed that you were able to pull that off and and get that, that done. Awesome. Kudos. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is one of the things, and this is where your your spiritual walk has got to be there because. It can really get to the point that it's affecting, because obviously it was affecting your ability to worship and lead worship, because when you're in that kind of a stress, you can't be at your best at the top of your game when you're really mad at the pastor. That's not real conducive <laughs> to, you know, uh, to positive leading. But this is one of the things in your planning that um, you've got to be aware of to choose the songs that will fit in maybe different possibilities. Some of the suggestions earlier today was to have a couple of sort of uh, sugar stick songs that are the choir can pull up and do at a drop of a hat that will fit in, you know, different slots if you do have to change. And there's sometimes you can just have to say, we can't change. There comes a point, and this is what we're going to talk to here, um, where is it? Uh, look at 7E. So enough is enough. There comes a time you've got to stop planning and just do it. Because you can't do it. And that's one thing I was listening for this. It was like I was like, oh, here's another website. Oh, here's another thing. Oh, here's another idea. Oh, here's a... It gets to the point you've got to just cut it off and you can't. And sometimes that can help. Uh, and maybe that's where y'all got to the point of a crisis it sounds like in your church life situation where it was not going to go any further and so that was sort of the turning point there for you guys at the you know, watershed mark of saying okay if we're going to improve and if we're going to move on there has to be some things or there's some we all have our own styles there's some pastors that are not going to know I mean I've worked with some pastors that they really didn't know what they were going to be doing until Friday or Saturday uh, I worked with a pastor one time. It was my pastor when I was in seminary, and my wife and I worked with him in a revival. He had about two or three different topics that he was thinking about doing for every revival service. He didn't know what, which one he was going to do until he got up in the pulpit. And I'm going like, can you not like give me? And they were like totally different things. It's not like, you know, the sheep, and well, I may go, you know, you know, I may go be the shepherd, I may do the sheep, I may do... You know, I'm the lamb. You know, it was like, you know, we made it a sheep. I may talk about walking on the water. I may be talking about resurrection. You know, it was one of those things totally. And I'm going like, you know, so. But that's one of the things where the relationship with your pastor has to be very, very open. You can agree to disagree. And you still have to be respectful. There's a certain level that with what we do, we're not going to change them and God's not called us to change them. God's called us and placed us there to help lead the people in worship. And if the pastor is choosing not to prepare ahead, not to plan ahead, there are certain things that we can't do that with worship because, you know, you've got to choose an anthem, you've got to prepare the people, you've got to get your musicians ready. Oh my gosh, if you're in a, a portable church to set up and get people, volunteers to move that and get set up, and if you're at a gym, you have to lay out the floor and all. Yeah, yeah, it's fun, I tell you. Mm, miss those. Um, 
you can't just wing it. You can't come in on Friday and change everything. So what you have, some things that you can look for are choosing your topics, your themes that can slide into different sections of the service so that you, you know, maybe you don't, you can't have an anthem before the message every single time. So that you could have something that you can use, put a scripture before the sermon that ties into that or put a non, another non-musical element or have something else so that the, you know, it may be you do more praise, God-centered, more call to worship the type, and that a good musical term, more pray, you know, call to worship be type songs for the choir to do so that their slot is usually up here more often so if you don't have opportunity to know or if you have a response time in your service after the after the sermon, maybe that's where you can have a good time where the choir can take that role. So, you know, if you're not locked into the choir has to sing at this certain slot, that gives you so much freedom. But you have to be able to come to grips with how you can plan and where you can place those elements so that it's not dependent upon the pastor because it's not you're not going to change your pastor you can help encourage them but yet you know they have their own style and they have their own ministries they have their own sets of things that they're dealing with too you know they're trying to get everything done but then they also have people call them at the hospital they have people that will decide to die at very inopportune times uh you know they'll have people calling and complaining to them about stuff just like we have people calling and complaining to us about the music that we've used you know it's a two-way street and so i think by showing respect and mutual understanding to the pastor helping them to show that same respect professional respect and all that to us i think can go a long way with that do you have a I just had a comment that we have an unusual situation in our church in that our, our organist is blind. Really? Which means I have to know three to four weeks out what we're doing mm -hmm. each Sunday. Well, great. We had it all worked out where we once a month had a music staff meeting and we had the lectionary things listed. She had her sermon topics listed. We have a woman minister also. Mm -hmm. um, she's great. And, um, I with the former ministers, it worked fine because they were willing to plan two and three minutes out on their sermon today. Because Kevin can't, I mean, he memorizes everything and learns it by braille or by ear. Um, it does play for the choir, so I just can't walk in Wednesday night and say, we did this three years ago, we're doing it Sunday. I, I can't do that. Right. Um, the current minister we have, I adore, but planning is not her thing. And um, I sat her down and she just came and said, Here's the form we use, and she said, "What if I can't do it?" I said, "Can't or won't?" <laughs> she laughed and said, "Well, <laughs> can't." <laughs> but you know, so it's not working with this one. You know, I, I finally went to her and said, "I'm frustrated. We're just going to have to agree that the anthem's not going to fit with the service. Sometimes I can do the best I can for lectionary, but when we choose a sermon topic, that as you said, is a different interpretation than what." my interpretation was that it's just not going to work and she was fine with that. I'm not fine with that musically. I want it to fit. But I, I'm I'm not a torment over it anymore. Because no. I just came to that conclusion. I don't choose the hymns either. She does. Mm -hmm. I've never okay. chosen hymns I've been there 30 years. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's one of the key is to realize, I think I've got that in the final thoughts like under eight. Um, 8C, accept your limitations. That could be either in the people that you have, the resources financially that you've got for your budget. Sometimes it can be the your upline or your whoever you're responsible to. Sometimes it's, it's that your pastor. If they're not going to give that to you, you can let that be a source of contention and let bitterness dwell up and destroy the harmony of the church. Or you can work within that and change it and it sounds like you've come to grips with that and uh, I had a church one time that um, the pastor started his sermon with a joke that was just his way of doing it and it irritated the bejeebers out of me I love that word bejeebers and I would have these this beautiful you know choir anthem that just ended this just this you know, worship, you know, just my idea was to just him step right up and take the people right on in. Well, after a while, I realized, duh, he's not going to pick up on 
where we were in worship. So what I would do is started moving that around and have that type of an anthem and then finish that up with a scripture or something that would tie that up to give a, a break so that when he walked up to give his joke of the day or whatever, it wasn't this, you know, total crash of what it was. That was learning to work within the conflict. It irritated me. It frustrated me. But, you know, it's, you know, the phrase that I hate that I hear all the time, it's not about you. It's not about you. You know, and the thing I hate about that, and I don't think I put it in my notes, usually when, some, when I hear somebody say, and I hear that a lot at, at church that I'm a member at, I say, well, it's not about you. It's not about you. But then what I hear them saying, it's really about me. You know, I would, I, it's not your, you know, you can't have it your way. It's my way, you know. But we have to accept our limitations. And sometimes things aren't going to fit. And sometimes, you know, and I also have heard pastors go, boy, we didn't plan on this at all. And everything just fit together. Isn't that great how God works? It's like, yeah, great. Let's, you know, brag on the fact that we didn't plan or prepare. You know, but um, there, and look at uh, 8B. God calls you to do your best, not accomplish the impossible without his help. God can do the impossible. You know, it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. But yet, he's called you to do your best, not to, you know, he, he hasn't called you to be a hero. Every week, you know, it's the long, it's, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And you're there to minister to the people and serve the people. And most of the people that are there, as much as we hate to admit it, most of them aren't going to even notice that the anthem and the sermon didn't match. And that's hard for us to accept. Most of them <clears throat> don't even that's it. get it. I mean, when you plan a theme and how you develop your service and you start with, say, praise and adoration and you move to something more meditative and you plan these little creative things to stick in here and here and like for, like for communion service, Sometimes I just feel, or often I feel, or if I stop to think back, these people don't even get it. They don't see the progression of the service from here to here to here. And, you know, I want to do more creative things or look for a little tidbits to add in here, but is it even being known? Is it, is it even enhancing their worship? Because the way the service moved as, as artists and musicians, and uh, we see it, and we go into the chapel and these beautiful worship services that they've had with instruments or bells or a reading and the acoustics. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very worshipful and aesthetic experience. But for Bill Jones, who's come in with his family, is, is he even noticing that? Or his family even noticing that? Or, or is it, is it, it's not even meaningful to them, or is it? I, mean, I think it has to be a season. I think we are seasoning our uh, congregation to better like it or to better experience it. Because I mean, the church that I'm in now, they're just like, you know, him, speak, him, you know what I'm saying? And so I, we did a total contemporary, well, I wouldn't say contemporary, uh, Easter thing that flowed scripture over the music flowed blah 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 and people loved it and then I'm not so sure okay so if I do it again and again we're talking three four years down the road they might go oh I really like that you know what I'm saying so I think we have to season them like when you season a get them used to marinate them yeah we have to marinate them <laughs> yeah. I mean because I my last church I was there for seven years and first two three years of me doing any of the music I don't think they really got it, got it. Mm -hmm. and then seven years long later I was there too long you know what I mean that was me personally I was there too long I wasn't getting anything out of it I wasn't enjoying it and so that's why I've moved on to another church but so I'm just in that <laughs> I just got the pan brand new pan you know those little those little pans that you can buy that are not pans, they're rock, and you have to season them. Do you know what, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Stone. I just got a brand new stone. The stone. And I just did the first season. <laughs> well, that's what go. I feel like. Well, and coming to things like this is vital to nourish our souls because a lot of what we saw like in worship, like, you know, just earlier this afternoon with the bells and the scripture and all that, there's a lot of our churches that that's beyond what they can do in the lovely cello that was there that added so much. 
Uh, that's beyond what most of our churches can do, be it it's something that's not that difficult, but it's so far out there for some, but you can work and take little steps with that, but it's important for us to find opportunities to come and nourish our souls to find, because as artists, it does matter. It does matter. So you, it's that balance that we struggle with because there are things that we're going to notice because of the craft, because of our training, because of our involvement. You know, it's not that we're better than the people that we're with. It's just we're more sensitive to that. It's just like, you know, I can be riding in a car with a friend who's a, who's a mechanic, and he's going like, you've got a belt that's slipping on your car. It's like, what? 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 He got, you've got a belt that's slipping. Where? And... Um, He's attuned to that, where I'm going just like, well, the car's just not driving quite right, but I don't know why, you know, because I mean, I'm, you know, if my car doesn't start, I call AAA, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's what, you know, that's what I'm paying them for, and a lot of our people, that's what they pay us for, is to do our worship, and that's where it's the mindset of moving beyond where they're to do worship, where they're to do church, we're going to have church today, you know, moving beyond that, we're supposed to impact our lives. And so it's those little things that can frustrate us because we can't plan the way we wanted to. We're there for the people. We're there to help them experience God. So if we can't plan the way, is, is our lack of planning going to impact them and stand in the way of them developing a deeper walk with Christ and understanding of God because we're mad at the pastor, you know, or we're mad at the other person that didn't do their part or, you know, that's to be involved with you know, what we're doing. I say creativity doesn't have to be large. We can look for small ways and teach the people. And it's okay to talk. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in that we want to experience. We've lived it, we've worked through it as we've planned it. You know, we've thought through it, we've worked through it, we've done it so we know exactly where we're going, we know exactly why. Sometimes we need to take that long and tell our people, whether it's at the beginning of the service, you know, today this is the, you know, as we're doing, you know, we mentioned, you know, Ash Sunday or Ash Wednesday, uh, Lent, Ash Sunday. <laughs> Boy, I'm rusty on my stuff. Uh, you know, this is the you know, first day of Lent or, you know, an Advent this year. We're, we're going to be focusing on this aspect of the you know, the life, the birth of Christ, you know, the, the prophecy of here, so that they get it, because the whole purpose of what we're doing is for people to get it, and if we just sort of throw it out there and hope they get it, you know, we can't expect them to do it. So give yourself permission to do what you can do, do the best you can do, find the resources, but don't be overwhelmed with the resources. Like some of the things when you have a chance to look at that, if, you know, if there's anything there that can help. There's so many things. I am so glad that I got through school before Al Gore invented the internet. Because I don't know that I could have handled That's tacky, I'm sorry. Uh, before the internet was so prevalent, I don't know that I would have ever graduated because there's, you, there's no end to what you can find on the internet. But what I find that there's no end so you don't ever stop. You've got to find a time that you've got to cut it off and you've got to stop because you can always research, you can always plan, there's always something out there, there's always something out there, there's always something out there. You've got to find. So whether it's your, you know, finding your themes for worship, if you've got the lectionary that you're following, I mentioned earlier, for me in the church where the pastor knew, you know, Friday what he was speaking, what I, I just got my Sunday school literature to see what the adults were studying in Sunday school and that's what I used because it had a theme and a lot of times it was even broken down into sections so I could even plan that because I, my brain works more thematically and so that was the way that I was able to plan for me so in my brain it was like okay we've been in Bible study and we can come and we can finish that off I could wrap that package up and so then the pastor could take off with whatever he wanted to because that pastor was not going to plan. That was a wonderful church. Our office hours were 9 to 4, and you went to lunch. And, you know, it was just, it was real great. Uh, but um, you have to find what's going to work for you with that. Find a time that you can plan, that you can prepare. Find a place that you can do it. And see what fits with your people. And 
spend as much time as you can with your people to get to know them because they want to have a relationship with you too. And as you build relationships with them and the people in the church, the people in the community, they're going to see you in a different light. They're going to respond differently to you and you're going to have opportunities that you won't have if you're just the guest musician that pops in and pops out. You can have fun with that. But it's not the same being the guest, being the you know, the, the, uh, the visiting person is not the same. You know, it's sort of when you meet somebody that you've, you know, seen once or twice is great, but then you see an old friend that you've, you know, known for years and you can just sort of pick up right where you were when you left off, how different, how good that feels. That's sort of like, they want to have a relationship with you too. And you get to know where their hearts are. You get to know where they're, where, where they're at. And then you can use that sometimes with the worship planning, you find out those people who've been through struggles with, you know, the death of somebody in their family or through cancer or through a divorce or something, and there's something in the worship time that fits that a testimony from them would be just perfect to get them to come up and share as a part of worship, and that pulls them into the worship experience where they're able to speak what God has done in their life to the congregation, and then blessing the congregation blessing them, you know, is that so you you know your people and you're pulling that in. But uh, other questions, other things that we've not touched. There's, I mean, you could spend a week talking about most of these things. What other questions are out there? <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier, and I've been thinking about it since I've been here. When uh, when I was interviewed for this position coming from a Methodist church, and I didn't, I music, church music certification at Perkins. I finished that up and then I went to the Baptist church. And, um, you know, they were talking in the interview about, you know, we don't want to do anything that becomes too traditional because it's just repetitive through a site dog. They're saying that it's just too repetitive and the part's not in it. I was thinking about that today, but, you know, does that mean? Their attention span so short that they cannot put their prayer into the song, their heart into the song. Uh, if it's like, say, communion, I have this sung Lord's Prayer that I like to do. It's a response to the Lord's Prayer. And they don't, they don't do the Lord's Prayer in, in, in Baptist church. But on communion, as, as the communion service at a Methodist church, the Lord's Prayer was part of the, the service of communion. And so at the end of communion, quotes the scripture where Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn as they departed from the upper room. And so we use that as a springboard to sing that. But just doing little, like we don't do responsive readings, whether it's just like a psalm or a leader, congregation, leader, congregation, or a scripture, or, or something like that. They don't do any kind of responsive prayer where like it's led by a leader in the congregation, praise the Lord, and da 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 da, -da. The people say praise the Lord. We don't do things like that, which too often would get old. Temporary course that they started off with, which this is today, which was like back in 1980 something. And this is today, yeah. That was a call to worship. And then, oh, lovely. That, that was a contemporary portion of the service. And they're going, like, okay, this is like 2000 something. That song's like almost 30 years old. And you're, you know, that's the contemporary part. But to them, that was contemporary. And they were. You know, they were getting into it, clapping, you know, on beats one and three. And um, it, 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 
for them, that was very, very contemporary. But, you know, then there's some churches that go to contemporary. It means something that the praise team wrote that week and are teaching it to the congregation that you've never heard before. And there's some churches that pull that off very well and some churches that you don't have a clue what they're doing. And so you've got to be sensitive to the needs of the church and then sometimes, you know, it's the, you know, frog in the frying pan kind of thing where you, you know, you just sort of gently turn up the heat or gently come back in with um, desensitizing them, I guess you could say that, you know, if there's a scripture reading that you want to use, you know, utilize that or bring the children in. Let the children, you know, because, you know, they can, you know, a child can lead out in a responsive reading or the senior adults. As a church, when the contemporary you know, started coming in, you know, so, you know, about 20 years ago or so that everybody, you know, started to, we would have our senior adult choir learn the contemporary song that we were, you know, a new chorus that we were wanting to teach that wasn't in the hymnal. And we'd teach to the senior adults in the Sundays that they sang in worship, they would sing that. And then the next Sunday we'd use that as one of the songs. And of course the senior adults had sung it by memory the week before. And so they owned that song. That was part of them. So they were just, singing out and everybody else was trying to do it. So you incorporate that changing and bringing in new elements in different ways. That's what worked for us in that, that you know, situation. So slowly, slowly, patience, patience, and it's slow. It's not fast. And there's a new beatitude that I share with one of the other groups that still works well. I can't remember if it's in here. 8A says, remember to be flexible. But the Beatitude says, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. And uh, that works in so many different areas. But blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. God's called you to where, you've, where you're serving. And your goal, your responsibility is to serve Him and to be used by Him to minister to His people. And that's, that's your calling. And your calling is not to be frustrated. It's not to change the church. It's not to change the pastor. It's not to change the musical level of the church or whatever. You're called there to serve the people and to help them worship God. And when you're faithful to what you're you're about, it's going to come. It, it takes a long time, and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of wisdom. And do what you're doing. Come to conferences like this. Look for other opportunities that you can have to continue to grow, to find uh Find ways that work to do what you're doing. And uh, and just know that there's a lot of other churches. The majority of churches in the United States, uh, probably 80% of the churches run less than 100. You know, we get so locked in our mind, you know, we turn on the TV and see Lakewood and Houston, you know, with everybody over you know, 100,000 people or there or whatever. We think that that's the normal and that something's wrong with us because our church isn't running in the thousands, you know, multiple thousands. The majority of our churches run a hundred or less. That's life. We don't have unlimited resources. It's, you know, that's where it is, but that's where God's placed us and that's where God's called us to serve. So there's resources available to help. Um, hold up. <laughs> the one that was on there. Uh, Counterpoint Music is a thing there. I did a big commercial for it in one of the other classes. But if you're needing some music that's online, that's low cost, it's easy for your choir to do, if, if that can help, uh, I've got information on there. Its website uh, is on my thing there. Everything's downloadable. You can buy it. Uh, from there, it's something our office puts out. It's uh, we, have it, we do it in Nashville. Uh, it's some really good stuff. Some of us work traditional, some of us work contemporary. You can buy it either as a musical or as individual anthems. You download it, it's all in, they'll email you the files and all. We're doing a 15% discount if you call and just say we're at Baylor Hallelujah Conference. So uh, take a look at that if that can help. But there's lots of resources that are available. But just find what works for you and just be, be patient and take it slowly and make small changes. And uh, it can be good. But remember the best laid plans that we have often get changed but the main thing to remember is that we have a God that's placed us where he's placed us and he's equipped us and he's called us not to do the impossible unless he's asked us to do the impossible and that's one thing that we have over the mouse and uh, and that gives us the hope to do what we need to do anything else
you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.